0: okay friends uh, friends of the pod twos and threes this is doug and mark here um mark always does the does the preludial welcome to the podcast and since it was an own four week for the jazz i figured i'd bring him up and and pull him from the depths and, <laughs> and and start us off with this with this intro.
1: You're off to a great start with preludial because I'm already
0: feeling better about life. <laughs> <laughs> that was really all I wanted to say. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that was
1: good. Hey, well, happy Super Bowl Sunday to everyone. Listen, this is like a national holiday, Doug. It's meant for happiness. I've been eating like crazy already. I had a breakfast burrito this morning. Um. And thank you for saying that preludial kind of made me happier
0: there you go that's what i was going for i just thought i'd shake it up in a in a in a rough own for a week good stuff
1: well it wasn't owen for a week i was feeling pretty just in despair last night um came to the game late because we had a bunch of stuff going on and once the writing was on the wall i was just like oh boy so we're going to do it a little different this week for for our friends of the pod who are with us on a week-to-week basis. We're throwing out the format a little bit, Doug. I, I wanted to call this kind of a an intervention podcast, a Super Bowl Sunday intervention, where basically, I don't know exactly what we're intervening on. I think it's maybe my like never-ending optimism as a fan, or maybe it's my losing my never-ending optimism as a fan, um, but I kind of just wanted to talk to you about the state of things um, with our favorite basketball team as we've kind of gone through this super high high and then had this rough week. So, is that cool? Can we just like can we just talk about this?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think we need some sort of an intervention, is what you had mentioned, and I, I agree.
1: And we'll also round this thing out because it is Super Bowl Sunday, and we'll give um, our football thoughts, our, our Super Bowl thoughts uh, towards the back half, if if you're if you're into that. Um, but first off, um, are we bad? Is that the that, maybe that's just the question? Are we bad? <laughs> are the jazz bad? Are they? Are Are we good at
0: basketball? What, what What's your What's your take? You You know, this week I I might have to say that um everyone was pretty bad, <laughs> I, but I there's there's more to get into on this, but um yeah, it was just I don't know, it was a hard week that. When was the last time the Jazz lost four games in a row?
1: Who knows? I I don't know. Do you know what What I was Googling this morning, Doug? Because I was trying to do hashtag research for this thing. I Uh. was like Googling what's the longest losing streak that an eventual NBA champions had, and like Google wasn't even registering my search. It wasn't even working. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't find an answer. It's like giving me longest losing streaks of all time and longest winning streaks, and I just gave up. Here's the thing. Uh, So this is the thought process I've been in is if you take each of these games in isolation, one at a time, I can talk my way into feeling okay about all of them, but the aggregate of them is a bummer. Um, And so I would just say like, should we walk through the week a a little? Can I give you my, like, here's my cop-out for each loss?
0: Yeah. Let's um, do you want to, Ring it out with starting with the Rockets.
1: Let's start it with the Rockets. Um Here's my cop-out. I just don't even feel like a cop-out. I mean, we talked about this last week. I have a couple things. First of all, my initial reaction with that was like, throw this game out. I don't, I, like, there was the devastating Kobe Bryant news the day before. I felt like whole <laughs> vibe was weird and off and it just didn't feel like a normal basketball game. And that was compounded by the fact that neither James Harden nor Russell Westbrook played. And I think most people would probably and justifiably be like, this was an, uh, this was a terrible loss because their two best players didn't play. But I think it just added to the weirdness of the game where they just played, and Clint Capella didn't play as well. So they just played super small the whole game. Eric Gordon had like the best game of his career. And I think Russell Westbrook actively makes them worse So it was for their better that he didn't play. And so that game finished and I was like, oh, I'm not super disheartened by it. I mean, do you, is that at least defensible logic or is that just me being um, desperate and searching for answers?
0: Yeah. um, I like what you said at the beginning in the sense that like each of these games alone and as we are going to go through and kind of um, justify them, like each of them alone seems justifiable, but together it's like really tough to swallow. Um, I th- I think that that's fair. I th- in the sense that it's always tough to play a bunch of the the scrub guys and and like you said, Russell Westbrook has really just not played well against the Jazz, and I don't know. It was.
1: I mean, like, he recently stole a pass intended for P.J. Tucker on a game-winning play, drove to the opposite corner and missed a three to lose them a game. <laughs> I just, I mean, I get he's a good basketball player, but, or at least used to be, but I I think at least there's an element of that team where it's a bunch of dudes who normally don't get a chance to do much. They're like, oh, sweet. This is my game. I'm going to do something. And maybe their desire to make an impact, which will also help their future livelihood, overcame uh, came everybody's devastation about the Kobe Bryant thing, whereas maybe some other players are more affected. David Locke said this on his podcast, so I'll give him credit for it. I think there might be something to it. Houston played the day of the Kobe incident, so they had already gone through that emotional roller coaster of having to go play basketball after that once. So I don't want to get into that psychoanalysis too much. But I just go away from that saying, okay, I I put nothing. I put nothing into that game because the circumstances were just so weird. That said, people have made a big point out of and maybe justifiably so that maybe the Rockets just have a blueprint, which is go small and spread the floor out. And then we go to the San Antonio game. Uh, Once again, several of their um, best players not playing. They go super small and kind of beat us there and i I mean i could be like look san Antonio's good we're on the road had a shot um you know tough game whatever um if it was all by itself it wouldn't be such a big deal but it was like coming off of the last game oh no i feel like we should sort of course correct and there we are i mean i don't know that and just to lump it all in we go into denver um look like world beaters for a while then they go on a 27 to 1 run And it's like, what just happened? We just got hit. (laughs) Jordan Clarkson almost like brings us all the way back. Lose that one compounded by this Portland game, which in isolation, my argument would be Damian Lillard's playing better than anybody in the world right now at basketball. He's, he's on some other level. They were at home. They're making a big run. Um, Their worst losses. It's just, look, this is four games in a row coming off of a, a great stretch and um, it looks like there's more questions than answers right now.
0: Yeah. And the tough part about these four games as a fan was the, the, the Jazz were always kind of within like a yeah. one, like 10 point swing away from either like either taking the lead or just being right back in the game. So it's almost like, but well, by the Portland game, it felt, that like halfway through the fourth quarter that it was just kind of like the prior three. But it felt like every game you had to watch until the end, which was even more gut-wrenching. Like, they're going to (laughs) lose. Like, let's just be down 100 at half and let me do some homework or do something else with my time. But yeah, just like they all got drug out to the end and I gut-wrenchingly had to watch the fourth quarter of all of these games and think to myself afterwards, like, what, what's going on? I, you know?
1: And the weird thing is too, is the, each game was different reason. Right. I mean, Houston kind of neutralized Gobert, or I guess San Antonio kind of both of them. I guess those, those were themes yeah. in those two games. Denver Gobert was great. Donovan Mitchell looked um, like he was probably ill. I, I don't know. It was his worst game of his career. Probably. Yeah. Um And then, and then last night, we're back to the bench being a complete non-factor. Um, and after they started off okay, and actually Mike Conley played all right; um,
0: he had a great first half.
1: Yeah, walk me through it a little bit in the Portland game, Doug. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you here that I was gonna watch it later, and then found out the result and started watching it, and then um, became too disheartened. I mean, did. Was did the bench just go away? Were they just good in the first half and bad in the second? Like what happened in that game?
0: Well and so I guess if I'm being honest too, I was just following along on the ESPN app for the first two quarters. (laughs) And I was just watching the the continuation of Mike Conley scoring and um kind of that back and forth. But and then really into the third quarter and the fourth quarter was where I paid most attention. Um one thing, man. I mean, the Trailblazers beat the Lakers the night before, and like you said, Damien's just playing out of his mind. But I mean, it just felt like, and I, I guess like I like I, I just barely said, as it was the fourth game in a row that they were going to lose. By the end, it felt like they're they've just kind of in their own heads. I don't know, but um, Dame just was so awesome and he's so he's so ruthless i saw i saw a tweet of like who's your favorite nba player that's not on the team that you follow and love and it's dame for sure but um, for sure he's just so stone cold when he plays just shows zero emotion and he's almost like like kobe in the sense that he's just a killer and i think
1: he's maybe one of the most like him other than i think he's he's also somebody who really raises the tide of the rest of his team um, in a special way. Uh, But yeah, he's he's a killer. Uh, This is, but I guess when I'm searching for silver linings or at least trying to tap the brakes, it's kind of fitting that this was against the Blazers and Dame Lillard because kind of seems the King, like never getting too worked up. I mean, they, I saw a tweet that was like, guess who was 19 and 27 and now is rolling? The Blazers, which is the Jazz two years ago, right? Yeah. Um, 19 and 27, and then they got rolling. So it's like, I don't know. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the moment. I saw somebody else tweet, look, the Jazz are 19. They've won 19 of their last 25 games. That's a 60-win pace. I mean, you can just look at this in a lot of ways. That's obviously cherry-picking a little bit. My big takeaway is there's some problems. I think they're solvable, but I don't know if they'll be solved. You know what I mean? It's like we've seen that the the apex talent level of this team is really high, and they can beat the best teams in the NBA, including the Clippers, including the Bucks. Um, and we've also seen that it can go sideways quite a bit. I mean, the Jazz are seven and eleven against teams above five hundred. That's pretty brutal. I mean that that stat makes you really scratch your head and feel sick to your stomach but i keep going back to a couple things which is this is the first year of this group together um i and i get that there's a core in there that's been together for a a number of years but so much change and so much turmoil including a mid-season acquisition that is you know jordan's playing a ton of minutes We've seen this with lots of teams as they've kind of come. I mean, we get used to stability with the Jazz, but the first, you know, the Heat, the first year of the Heatles, lots of up and downs during the regular season. You know, same with a lot of these teams when they've, you know, kind of made big sort of additions. So I'm like, I don't know. My other question for you is where are you at, Doug, on Mike Conley? Like, what's your thought now? I mean, he started last night. He... They started well. He had a much better game statistically than he's had in a while. What do you think? Like, does he, should he be in the starting lineup? Should he be on the team? <laughs> uh, where, where are you at on that right now?
0: Yeah. And, and, and uh, there's still, sorry, but there's, it's so hard. It's really just like, like what, what is your, your gut telling you? Cause it's still, there just hasn't been enough, um, that we've seen of Mike Conley and okay. So I saw a stat last night and I'm just going to, I'm looking through my Twitter right now, if I can find it, but um, sure. it was pretty much that the jazz were plus 12 with their starting lineup today. Or, oh, I saw yesterday. that too.
1: Yeah. I saw this, a similar stat. It was something like that.
0: And yeah. it, they were plus 12 with Mike Bowie Donovan, Rudy and Joe. Yeah. Um, and but they only ended up playing like 15 minutes together or something like that. It wasn't yeah. very much. And I just wonder it just seems like there's so much more that needs to be figured out and it's just so hard. I mean, with Mike Conley's injuries and then other people like Royce playing awesome, Emmanuel Mudiay playing awesome, and Jordan Clarkson, it's it's tough for me to say with just the run that we've had so far with Mike Conley that I'm 100% confident that everything's going to work out, you know?
1: Same. Do you know what was a troublesome stat is Joe Engel shot twice.
0: Yeah. Last night.
1: Uh, I think there's, they're really, they're really sorting it out. I, I I don't know. It's just weird. I would say this, like, you know, as bad as the first couple games of the week were, At halftime of the Nuggets game, and then halfway through the third quarter, really, but at halftime, Barkley was on TNT being like, I'm really taking this Jazz team seriously. Look how much better Gobert is on offense. They've got so many scorers, all this stuff. And then, like, there was a point halfway through the third where Bogey just hits a three, and you're like, he's hit, like, five of them, and you're like, good grief. We're good. I'm feeling good. And then, you know, and then it all fell apart. (laughs) And it's like that kind of just is how the weekend did, too. I I don't know. I'm I'm very much like let's have a little patience. But unfortunately, they're going through a really tough stretch of games coming up. And I don't know how it's going to go. I'll say this, though, Doug. This is part of my takeaway. This is – I guess there's this. As far as the Jazz being very competitive, like this week you're like, why aren't we even winning? Like what's going on? Like, as far as the Jazz being in the mix in the best four teams in the West, um, I think it really boils down to your belief in the actual sort of place of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in the hierarchy of the NBA. Because I'll say this, I would call this a fluky week for both of them. And my belief is that they're both better than their performance this week. And I think if both of them played better this week, the Jazz win two of those games, at least. And then we're feeling okay. We're not feeling great. We're feeling okay. Yeah. And then my compounding thought is for them to be next level better, the guy they pay $30 million a year needs to be really good. Uh, He doesn't need to be the best player, but he needs to be a really positive factor. And that's Mike Conley. And that part feels like more of an X factor to me, but I still believe that it can work out. Like, I just, you know, this is so silly, but... We've talked about like our little City League battle. Like, if you just have played sports at any level, you understand that sometimes you're comfortable and things feel pretty good. And sometimes you're playing at your just normal level. And sometimes you're like in a zone and you feel great. And sometimes, for a lot of different reasons, it just doesn't feel good and it's not working out. And I feel like he has not had any kind of space so far this season to get into a good feeling. It's kind of a bummer that his injury coincided with the soft part of the schedule because that could have been a time for him to get in a groove with the team. But I was glad they put him in the starting lineup. I think I think, as the way the team's constructed, its highest ceiling is with him in the starting lineup, and so they just need to figure out how to make that work. But it's quite possible that they're not going to ever realize that ceiling, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah and something else with the with the starting lineup especially with Mike and um and you and I have talked about this on the phone before is just they're so small and they and this was really big in the game yesterday and i think kind of played itself out during the week as well but just as a, i mean just as a whole they need to play better um but their perimeter defense is just so reliant on the Rudy Gobert back wall to save it. It's it's like they need Royce's perimeter defense. So it's hard, it's hard to say. How do you like with the, with the minutes between Mike, Joe, and Royce? It, it feels like it's a great years. point. It's
1: a great point. I think what you're saying right now is a fair counter argument to my like, hey, there's a bad week. Throw out throw out throw this out the kobe bryant shadows over everything and this is bad because the real thing that's happened this week is teams have spread out the floor pulled gobert away from the basket and annihilated our perimeter defenders and that that happened in every game i think you know what i mean like in particular the first three like bogdanovich this week shot the lights out and was awesome But starting with Eric Gordon and on, got beat off the dribble like he stole something every time. You know what I mean? Like, he was just giving it back. Everybody was. Like, their Jazz are so used to being able to just kind of – I mean, the troublesome thing against the Spurs, I guess, the other fluky outlier thing you could say there is, man alive, they shot like 80% from the mid-range, which just nobody does. And the Jazz literally yeah, trying to get teams to do that. But DeMar DeRozan – looked really comfortable with Royce O'Neill guarding him and kind of got to where he wanted to go. And so I think the burden's just been really high on Royce, but you're right. I mean, that's, that's, if you're talking about a structural problem, I tend to believe my, I tend to believe with this team that it's not a structural problem. Sure. It would be nice to have one more move for a big guy. I think missing Tony Bradley this week hurt, but like, I'm more of like they can fix things schematically and with rotations and kind of where they're at, like just getting better playing together. But if there's a structural problem, it's that, like we're kind of weak at perimeter perimeter defense. Okay.
0: So I just want to say this about this week. Um, It was ugly. I'm going to hit you with some optimism really fast just because let's do it.
1: Let's be, let's be optimistic.
0: Um, Kylie said to me before, before this podcast, she said that we have to be real and that we, uh, not, uh, what were her words like not to sugarcoat it or not to be overly optimistic, but here's my overly optimistic moment.
1: Cause I feel like Let's we, get were, there. we were, just I think kinda, we've been pretty, pretty downer so far. So yeah, I, think, been, I think we've met the mark. <laughs> we,
0: we've been critical. We'll say that. All right. Okay. Um, so before the 19 and 21 streak that the jazz just went on uh, and I'm just looking back and eight isn't a very round number, I mean, like structurally, if you draw or write the number eight, it's very round and curvaceous. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. Curvaceous. Um, It's a a voluptuous number, Doug. (laughs) It is. So the eight games before the Jazz went on their 19 and 21 run, they were six of eight of those. So they lost six of those games and then went on a huge run. So the Jazz aren't a team to get in a rut and stay in a rut. I I mean, they'll they'll figure it out, and I'm going to tell you this week, um, this is really, I mean, this is the week before the All-Star break, and this is the week where they figure it out, and if they don't, then we'll realize that there are some legitimate um, problems that, that we'll talk about, but this week they play again the Nuggets, again the Trailblazers, and again the Rockets to give us a little cushion and to give us a reason for the Jazz losing, It's hard to beat someone twice and it's hard to lose to someone twice. So I say it's maybe they don't win all three games because there's something's really messed up, but we'll see an uptick this week. And if we don't, then that's when we should be concerned. But we're playing the Nuggets again, the Trailblazers and the Rockets again. I think I, I mean, obviously my hope is a total Homer and lover of jazz basketball and for my own sanity Um, I just hope that this is really the telltale week of of who the jazz. I'm
1: totally with you because it's so easy to get lost in the moment. And I, I, I'm, I had the same hesitation that Kylie did basically, because I'm, it's easy for me to be like, to be the guy who's like, you're freaking out too much. Everybody like these guys are good. And then people are like, you're a Homer. Well, this week, when we play the Nuggets, they'll be on the second night of a back to back and we'll be at home. If we lose that game, that's going to be troublesome. If we go 0 and 3 against those teams, it really is panic time. If we go 1 and 2 and the two are bad, it's panic time. But we could go 1 and 2 and they are looking better. And I would not be panicking because let's not be prisoners of the moment. Like you just said, it's the dog days of the season, really. Teams are trying to get to the all-star break. The Jazz are always better in the second half of the season under Quinn Snyder. We'll see. They've been really good. At the end of the day, they're 32-17. and That's the thing, right? I mean, we're barely above 500 at this time last year. Um, The record's good. They're in the top four in the West. They're right in a cluster um, fighting for positioning in second through fourth. Sure, fifth and sixth aren't far behind either, but they're – well positioned now I mean I would say you know we were talking about is the one seed realistic before it's probably not at this point you know uh this kind of a losing streak probably probably doesn't make that much of a possibility but all the goals are still there I mean this is it will all feel silly like at the end of the win streak to your point none of us were thinking like remember how silly we were uh, when they lost six of eight nah because we were just like We forgot that that even was a a thing and we weren't even thinking about it anymore. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think you're right that this week coming up, I tweeted this earlier and I really do mean it. And I, like, I do not think when we look back at this season and are like, this was the first time we really had two all-stars in years and years. Like, I mean, you talk about memo and Boozer being the last two, and that was memo coming off an uh, injury substitution and Boozer didn't even play we're going to look back and be like Donovan Rudy named to the all-star team saying beautiful things about each other and about Quinn and their teammates and interviews and Instagram posts. And that was a happy, feel good thing. And I also we're going to look back at this time and think about the very tragic thing with Kobe Bryant, which we've just all continued to process more. Um, and how sort of devastating that, not sort of how devastating that was. And I just think, I don't know. I just, I, I'm kind of refusing to get too give too much significance to this week. That's what I'm saying. I want to. I mean, obviously, I thought it was significant enough that I threw out our entire podcast format and gotten on here and just rambled around with you a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Rooney and Donovan both named to the All Star team. That was awesome. Um, both those guys have worked so hard to get there neither of the, the Vegas odds for either of those guys making it as a draft pick were super low, if non-existent, in the case of Gobert. Um, if, if you want to just cry out of happiness, listen to David Locke's podcast this week where he just played interviews with Quinn Snyder, Donovan, and Rudy talking about it right after it was announced. Um, so I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's been a good season. It's been a great season at times. There's a lot of stuff to figure out. I think it's kind of fun. We'll see what happens these next few weeks. Also, as you said,
0: uh Damian Lillard's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean every every one of those games we could explain away some some fluky nature to Donovan playing his worst game, to Rudy having a poor game, to Joe not shooting and and let's not Dame, oh, Demar DeRozan, Jokic, all of those guys going off. So, yeah, I think I love your your scope, the the grand scheme of things, Um, and the I mean, this is just like a little a little speck in what a whole eighty two season, eighty two game season is. So there's there's more balls. Yeah,
1: and to quote Damian Lillard or to paraphrase him, when somebody was saying their record after twenty games and like what like what's your deal? And he was like, it's a good thing. We play 60 more games. And uh, I don't know, like, let's just, there's, there's a lot of stuff to go. I also would be remiss if I didn't talk about, and if you follow us on Twitter, like I tweeted about this, but in that uh, Denver game right before Jordan Clarkson just went on just an insane tear of spewing fire Um he we were running the offense through him, and I said to Kristen, "Like I just, like we're there's too much Jordan Clarkson going on here." And then he just literally shot us back into the game and almost won it. And she was giving me endless amounts of grief um, as it was happening. It was really pretty fun, um, but I had to eat a lot of crow as he proceeded to be the only positive in that game after I was kind of bagging on him. So sorry to Jordan Clarkson. Um, congrats to Kristen for having that moment. And uh, yeah, it was fun. okay
0: and on a on a keep it real version of the podcast, though didn't Kristen throw down on my point of Jordan Clarkson as six man of the year?
1: Yes <laughs> so there you go we w- and we both <laughs> failed doug uh to capitalize on that moment in terms of pubbing him more. Now they didn't win if they would have won, that would have been like the keystone moment for us to just get on this campaign more, so we just right and and frankly, he was one of the few positives from a shooting perspective. I mean, he was like four for eight from three last night um, on the bench. So I think overall his field goal percentage was bad. But, but yeah. So I don't know. So that's, that, that's where it is. Should we talk some football? I mean, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm kind of curious where you're at. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So quick, quick, um, other preludial note as we transition sports and leagues. Um, This has been kind of a rough season for us, especially as football fans. But um, I really started to get more into it the last four or five Drew Locke games. So I'm I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I'm excited for the playoffs have been fun so far. But as a Broncos fan, this hasn't been very fun. And even the fact that I'm just going to say this right now, as a Broncos fan, I want the Chiefs to win, which is kind of weird. Whoa. Um, Explain. Explain. Start talking about it. Well, can I say?
1: Oh. Yeah, no, no. Explain that to me first. Well, let me say one thing. Can I say one thing? Just as a Broncos yep. fan, on the Broncos fan note, the one yeah. good thing about leading up to this, Doug, is, is as I've listened to a few podcasts about it, and as people have talked about this sort of defensive versus huge offensive matchup, there's been a lot of references to Von Miller and Demarcus Ware beating the crap out of um, Cam Newton and that Broncos Super Bowl, <laughs> and yeah. I've loved every reference. <laughs> I had a Facebook memory that was like me putting something up like 4 years ago or whatever after the game and I like like you know reshared it and mentioned our cousin Amy who's a big Broncos fan. Um so I don't know that that's been fun. I I love that when people think back to like the best defenses ever and like what are the odds that a defensive player could win um player of the game, um Super Bowl MVP. Uh I just love thinking about that Broncos Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I that was fun, and the the sad thing is that was that only four years ago. It seems like it's been. It eons. seems like it was a lifetime. <laughs> it's been so many terrible, <laughs> terrible Broncos seasons since. Yeah, it actually made, so made awesome. me realize
1: how long I've lived in California that I was still that I was here for that taking the bar. I was like, yeah. geez. Anyways, um, so tell me, tell me why you're going Chiefs, Doug? Because I'm I've been really conflicted about this too, and uh, kind of got different ways. But I, let me hear your your rationale here that you're actually. You know, becoming a turncoat and rooting for one of our arch rivals.
0: I know this. It's almost like it's it's uncomfortable for me. I was, I was sitting. I this is not to be clear.
1: This is not like Dad wearing Patriots socks and a Tom Brady shirt and rooting for him last year level of discomfort. But it's still, I'm uncomfortable with it. Right.
0: right. (laughs) Um. Yeah, that was bad, Dad. When you listen to this, because we know you will. As much as Michelle gave you all that patriot stuff, you should those should be in a dark corner. We love you, Dad. Sure. We
1: respect almost everything about you, and the only reason I say almost is because that moment was bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we also respect the fact that I guess you you support all of your. Children, I guess. So, I uh, guess. Yeah. I guess. Sort of. Right. All right. Okay. Tell me about your chief um, thing. Well, when Patrick Mahomes ripped out my heart straight from my chest on a Monday night with his left hand. I think about that so much. I think
1: about that so much and picture you and dad there and me not there anyways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you couldn't come, which is why you weren't. Yeah. So we'll say to save me and dad and to save yourself as well. You just couldn't make it. Yeah. But um, when he ripped my heart out of of my chest, he kind of like, like took a little bit of my heart in his hand and put it in his pocket. And, and he said, I'm going to save this for a later Super Bowl appearance and Doug's probably going to cheer for me.
1: Oh, I like, there's like some laws of physics there that I don't know if I fully understand, but it still makes sense to me. I get it, Doug. And I, so this is, I, he, let me take you through my thought process because this is a hard one for me too. Um, I actually think he's so fun. I, it's tough because he's going to be a division rival for the rest of his career, probably. Right. And, uh, right. But he's like a video game. Like he's made, he was part of the thing that made this season fun for me. The truth, though, is there's a couple things. One, I kind of I kind of love the him and Lamar Jackson thing, and I'm kind of team Lamar, even though right now Pat Mahomes is <laughs> is winning. I think he's the best football player alive, probably actually. But I I, I love that Lamar kind of threatened him a little bit this year. Um, but he's crazy fun. Like he's the, one of the funnest things. It's like, to me, it's like being mad at him is like being mad at like Steph Curry's like breakout season in the, or not breakout, but it's like 73 win season. Like, wh- what are you being mad about? This is amazing to watch. Um, also I like Andy Reed. He's kind of just the lovable guy who's never quite been able to do it. I'm always nervous for him when it's like three minutes left, like that he's just going to start calling timeouts at times that don't make sense. But he's an incredible coach, an incredible mind. And everybody who's ever played for him seems to love him. Um, you know, I have personal friends that uh, one in particular that like lived in his house for a little while and has nothing but nice things to say about him. So it'd be fun for me if to read won. That said, um, I think this Niners team's the best team. And I think and for me, I have a lot of people in my life now living here that are really rooting hard for it. Um it's tough because the Niners, it's certainly like being like, oh, you Niners fan, you deserve a Super Bowl. It's like, oh, like Bill Gates, you deserve like your stock portfolio to go up. I mean, come on, like the Niners have had a rich and lovely history, right? <laughs> the Chiefs have never won. They're one of the more tortured families. They've been so close a bunch of times. I heard some stat that like prior to this season, I think they were like one in eight in their last nine home playoff games. Which is a really depressing wow. stat. It was something like that. It might have been yeah. two and seven or something. But it was like they're so they're losing these games at home and like you know I've I felt a few of those because I was I'm such an Alex Smith fan that I would root for him even though even though I'm not a Chiefs guy. Um, so there's right. a lot that would be fun there. I think at the end of the day, I'm you know I'm gonna buy local, and I kind of want the Niners to win just because I like the way their team plays, they kind of remind me of a 98 Broncos team where it's like awesome defense, awesome running game, quarterbacks just doing enough, which I don't want to say John Elway is Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm just saying at this stage of career that they're at, the question is, can Jimmy Garoppolo make the big throws that John Elway stepped up and did in 97 and 98? But I think I'm leaning that way. I'm really just hoping last year was such an abysmal game, like really hard to watch that right. I'm just hoping this one's more fun and I kind of think it will be.
0: The one thing that's beautiful about the NFL is the fact and the the NBA is by far my favorite league and that could I I could be 100% skewed just because I live next to the Utah Jazz but um the fun thing about the NFL is that neither of these teams made it to the Super Bowl last year and yes. Uh um it's just like anything could happen in this one game. And I think that the NBA, um, as far as like a social standpoint and everything that the league does, I think is always there I'm always so impressed with the NBA and the NFL not as much in football versus basketball. I don't know there's I'm, I'm changing my views there, but um, that the Super Bowl is just so fun, and NFL playoffs are so fun in the sense that if someone gets hot or matchups are weird. Like, they're not going to figure that out in seven games. It's one game. Yeah. It's huge. And, and like, you could say, like, I I think on ESPN it says that the uh, Chiefs have a 64% chance of winning. But who knows? Maybe one guy goes down and the Niners end up winning by 30 or something ridiculous. Yeah. So, really, anything could happen. I think it's, yeah it's like you said it's a it's a powerhouse defense of the 49ers versus an electric offense and and really i just think it's going to be fun i don't know i think i like i i wanted to add to my patrick mahomes likeness of the fact that i think in some ways he's kind of like he's kind of funny like he has a funny voice and he's not like the stereotypical like I don't know, like Peyton Manning. Or yeah, something or Aaron like Rodgers.
1: You know? Like, like I'm the big stoic uh, leader guy. He's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, His girlfriend's got uh, a funny I voice did.
1: too. I mean, she keeps doing like these videos after they win, yelling. Have you seen these? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, this has been a thing on Twitter. Where she's like screaming with all her friends after they win each time, uh, which I think is oh, just fun. Awesome. like good on her. But it's uh, it's been kind of funny.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you have more local ties that, that pull you that way, but um, I think it's going to be... I, I, like you said, I just hope it's a fun game all around.
1: Yeah, and I think it has the ingredients to be. I mean, it's funny how the Super Bowls are. Just like you said, it's so unpredictable. Uh, Sometimes, like, you would have never been able to convince me that that Broncos-Seahawks Super Bowl was going to go the way that it did <laughs> beforehand, and then right. afterwards, I'm like, oh yeah, that made sense, but um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, for, hopeful for a good game like you. Like, I think both of us went through a time younger where football was the main thing in our lives, even though we've always, um, been huge, uh, jazz fans. And I think I'm a hundred percent with you on sort of the NBA on everything about you said about the NBA, but the, the thing that N- the NFL continues to have for me, which is fun is the parody and the chance that teams have to go from being, one of the worst teams to one of the best teams, unless if you're the Browns in like a year. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the Browns just yeah. instead will get hyped up and then they'll hire Freddie Kitchens as their coach. And no, I
0: don't know. But yeah. Or you can go from the best team to the worst team. Totally.
1: Well. And it, like you said, I mean, it feels like we've been in this terrible Broncos era for years and years. We won the Super Bowl four years ago. Good grief. If the Jazz <laughs> yeah. won the NBA championship four years ago, I'd still be celebrating. There's no, <laughs> right. If the jazz, if the jazz win this year or whenever, I'm taking like 10 years off of work. Like I'm done. Like I'm just going to be doing this podcast on a live stream, like Twitter periscope basis. And it'll just be me like watching the highlight videos and reacting to them. And you know, every now and then you'll check in and make sure I'm still alive. That'd be great. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It should be a fun game. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked about it. Um, it's it's kind of the thing I needed at the end of this week. Um, and then, you know, we'll roll off. Regardless of the outcome, I'll feel all right about it. We'll be off to a good jazz week. All right, Doug. Well, is there anything else you wanted to, you know, share on this? Was there anything else you wanted to say on Kobe
0: or anything like that? I think we um, – one thing, I don't know if you said this on Twitter or who said this, but it's so interesting to see in the week-long responses to Kobe that – um, like how much it's kind of brought people together yeah. in Kobe's passing and as much as like sports icons passing or like crazy moments in history that have brought people and communities together I think it's pretty cool that the majority of people have been able to like relish in what Kobe was and Kind of cool moment. Um, and yeah, it was a rough, rough week for the Jazz, but exciting turnaround with the next three games. And hopefully they'll have the next couple of days to figure it out before their game on Wednesday. Yeah,
1: I agree. Let me say just two things that I've thought of since then on the Kobe thing. And one, One was I've thought a lot about this movie with him. He did like these series of short films or stories or whatever, like based on this idea of a muse cage. I don't know if you ever saw these. Yeah. Where he's like talking about basically harnessing the dark feelings that you get, like hate and anger, into being into being a fuel for being better. And I've I've kind of compared that to this movie Whiplash, which I don't know if you ever saw that, but Miles Keller's a drummer and the guy who plays the state farm agent or the all-state agent or whatever is this like terrible music teacher, and he like is a real taskmaster and like gets the best out of him basically by beating him down. And I've always kind of thought that was kind of a Kobe philosophy (laughs) type of a movie. And then I've heard a podcast where this guy was like, I was talking to Miles Teller, and he was like, really hurt and shook after the Kobe passing, because Kobe once texted him after whiplash and was like, that movie was Mamba mentality, then they became like friends. And uh, I don't know, that was kind of just perfect for me. And I say, <laughs> A, and B, I've just been listening to more stuff. And I do just think I always never knew about him was how sincere he was in his latter part of his year, because he, he really kind of shifted in mentality. And the more people that talk and the more things I listened about him, and the more I just think he really was a sincere person who had kind of some awkward stuff growing up and was a little isolated and was always trying to be better. And, and that's what I take as inspiration from him. Especially as a parent. So that's okay. all. That's all I got. I hope people have an awesome Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be back probably with the normal format next week after the Jazz are on a roll again.
0: Unless they lose the next three, then we might just like not exist. Then,
1: then I literally might just then I might just put on a on our podcast feed like my Nine Sata songs or something on a loop and I'll just play those. Right. That we'll, we'll have another Haley poetry <laughs> moment or something um yeah all right man well thanks for doing this you're the best yeah thanks for talking me uh through the ledge i'm i'm hopeful oh, yeah. kylie doesn't think we were too soft <laughs> all Right. <laughs> all right man twos and threes
0: boom, boom.